Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another podcast by CSM Practice. This podcast is all about customer success methodologies, strategies. And today we're going to bring you another tool that you can use to drive value for your customers. And it's called the Customer Strategic Engagement Plan, which is very similar to a success plan, but we're going to dive into potentially what the differentiators are. And I have our very favorite Mohammed Alcott from Jordan. Hi, Mohammed. Hi, Eric. How are you? Yeah, thank you. So happy that you join us. Guys, if you are ever in a predicament where you want to implement these types of strategies and you need some help, do go to our website, csmpractice.com, check out our consulting services, and feel free to reach out if you need any help. And with that, Mohammed, tell me a little bit about what is a customer strategic engagement plan? What is it for? Why did you build that methodology? Thank you, Eric. And I really appreciate having me again with you to here. I built this strategic engagement plan mainly to work with the high-touch companies and that I thought it might not all the success playbooks or success plays that we have created over the time might fit with those accounts. And because they are kind of strategic accounts that we want to build a long time relation and we build a long time success relation with them. So I thought about, okay, what I need to do in order to build a strategic engagement plan that it gets the customer engaged more than us even to build that and be excited to build that engagement plan. So simply I looked at what are the elements we use or we look at when we build our success playbooks. And took those elements and try to understand how I can make those elements flexible a little bit or in order to work with a strategic account that they have special or specific outcomes or values that they want to achieve. And I put those elements in the context of the leading change steps created by John Cutter, which is very interesting methodology that John Cutter created to lead lasting change and to lead um, a sustaining change with with organization. So I looked at the eight steps that John Carter created and split those into three silos or pillars, if you want to call it, between creating the climate for the change, working with the customer in order to understand what they want to change and how we can work with them to change, engaging with them and enabling those changes, and implement those changes that they sustain and they last for a long time. Okay, so the actual plan is based on a methodology called the Eight Steps for Leading Change by John Coter. And is there a book by, this is how you got familiar with it? Yeah, the book itself is called Leading Change. Got it. Okay, we'll include the link in the description to the podcast episode below. So when you read this, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can totally do this for my clients. So before we dive in to actually explain how you create this engagement plan, do you usually use that for all of your customers or just the ones where you need to increase engagement from the executive level and you feel like, where are we too much into the weeds with the technical admin and we actually need to elevate the discussion? Okay, so usually I use this with the high-touch accounts or high-touch customers because I don't like to just list all the playbooks I have. Okay, this is the onboarding stage and this is the adoption stage and this is how we're going to work with you. I'd like to understand their pain points. I'd like to understand their challenges. 
And I'd like to work with them in order to build that kind of engagement where we can work together to achieve the success we all look at. It's not with all customers, but with majority of high-touch customer, I use this methodology. It's a simple practice. If you start to work with the customer, it becomes your second habit. And you just have this methodology and start to explain to the customer and work with them. And by the end of the day, you look at what you have achieved and it's amazing. Okay, it's totally different than what I can implement the basic or the standard playbook or success plays that we already have. Do you actually go through this exercise on your own first and then present it to the customer? How did you go about thinking about this engagement plan? And I kind of want to go back to slide three, maybe, and kind of like think about the process of how you develop this. One of the things Mm -hmm. that you mentioned here is like creating the climate for change. And this is really what separates this from just a success plan template, because I think Like what you went through right now is all the components that we typically see in a success plan. But this framework actually gives a customer success manager the ability to think through how to create that engagement overall. And then you put it in writing eventually to just get, you know, document what was the mutual agreement with the customer. So maybe you can talk about that first three steps. How do you even get to a situation where you can even deliver something like that? At the first, you need to think of why the customer decided to sign with us, not with our competitor. They have something that they believe that they can achieve with our tool. There is a need for a change. Now, they do understand that there is a need for a change, but do they understand all the potential improvement that they can achieve? So you need to work with them to create that need for change. You need to work with them to understand their today workflow and how we can change this with our solution or what added value they can get from our solution for their day-to-day business. How do you do that? Do you like open up a bunch of opportunities, like a list of use cases that they can potentially elect? Like you do that in a QBR, in an EBR. How do you go about that? Okay, so sometimes if there's a new customer, you start from, from the sales cycle. You start to work with the sales to understand from the sales cycle and from the sales engagement what they are looking for, what are their challenges, what they want to do, how they are doing their business today, what change they are looking for. And you start to get those information and you build up the story that you want to go into the customer and start to tell them. Once you start to build the relation, you open up and say, okay, so we are here to work with you. and this is the framework or this is the methodology we're going to work together on. And this is how we will, together, we will explore what are the changes that we can work to make it happen. Okay. So and, if I understand correctly, I'm not clear yet on step one, create a sense of urgency. I'd love to to hear from you, kind of like, how do you create that? But you definitely start creating like a guide for coalition plan. You you showcase the different use cases. Maybe you have some QBRs and EBRs. You start developing that vision in the sales plan. If it's a sales cycle, if it's a new client and then form strategic vision, that's where you start to putting it all together in that template that you're going to share with our viewers. And obviously we're going to create a link to that template for everybody to download 
how do you go through step number one, create a sense of urgency? Let's say it's not a first year client. Obviously they have a sense of urgency to just show that they didn't make a mistake making an investment with you, but like, okay, a customer has been with you for three years. You're starting to lose engagement. How do you create that sense of urgency? Okay. So if, if they are with us for three years, software every year, there is a new change. Every year there is an improvement and development of the, to your software and your tools. And Every year you can create that a sense of urgency to do some change or to improve or to enhance or to advance their process. Because you understand how they work, it becomes easier to create that sense of urgency. Now you have a better tool that it can deliver a better value and you know how they are working. It's easy. You can go in and say, okay, with this development or with this enhancement, we can save more and we can get to a better achievements or better outcomes. If we implement this new feature or a new development to the software, it becomes easier with with the existing customer. It's difficult with the new customer because you need to build that story before they are in. Absolutely. Well, okay. So totally get it. I think that's brilliant. Okay. Brilliant. So you're creating a climate for change by having these discovery discussions. Then you document them in your engagement plan or success plan, and then you share it back. That's really step number four, communicate the change for a vision. And then step number five, empower broad-based action. What does that include? When you start to implement and you start to adopt and start to get users to use this new technology or this new tool and start to think about how they can utilize it for better achievements or better delivery, this is where you can empower for based action. I have to ask you, so you keep referring to these success plays. Maybe you could talk about what were the success plays you used to or usually leverage and how are those different than this framework? Okay, so the, the success play is defining the outcome or the goal based on our experience and our understanding, uh, our product, and define the criteria on who we want to target, when and why we want to target them, what are the, the steps or the activities that we want to deliver, and what are the templates or assets we want to use to deliver this play or playbook, and then attract or attract the mechanism how we are delivering those plays. Yeah. So, in other words, a success play would be one success plan. There's a business outcome that I'm trying to achieve. Here are the steps, the assets I'm going to use, the different maybe services that I'm going to apply to get my client to that use case, to that business outcome. But it's most likely a singular business outcome type of play. Did I get that right? Exactly. So for me, success play is to achieve one outcome. That's the success plan or the success play. Usually I call it a success play because from my experience, we used to build a multi-plays for one outcome. So that we call it a success playbook, mm. that it has different plays to deliver one outcome. And how is this new framework that you built different than what we typically used to have? Like obviously the success play and success playbooks are about, okay, I have this outcome, I'm going to achieve it with these type of elements. How is this different than the framework that you're proposing? So not all the customer has the same outcome. Different customers, they have different outcomes. And different outcomes has different values. So not every outcome has the same value. Each outcome has a potential value, but the value is different from customer to another. 
that's why I start to think, okay, so this is what we defined. And based on our understanding that this is the desired outcome for the customer of this type of or of this industry, this type of business based on our product, this is the desired outcome or generic uh, desired outcome for that customer. And we build our success place, but not all the customer has the same outcomes. As I mentioned, I put this in the, the leading change context and I created this framework where working with the customer to define the outcomes, what they are looking for, what they want to address, what are the business opportunity to be explored. So we work with them to explore the business opportunities that they have in mind using our product or our solution or our software. And what are the business outcome they want to achieve? And what does our future business as usual will look like when they applied our solution or our software? When we start to figure out those outcomes and we list them, for each outcome, we work with the customer, we work together, defining the outcome and the outcome benefit and effort that needs to be done between us and the customer. It's not from our side alone or not from the customer to provide us with, okay, those are the outcomes that we are looking for. We need to work with them. We need to understand why they want those outcomes, what they have in mind, and what are the benefits of those outcomes. Once we define those, now we start to work internally to build the success playbooks and plays mm. where the initiative and the advancement path. So what we want to deliver, how we can deliver those outcomes, what we need to do to deliver those outcomes. What are the steps? What are the, the activities, the work? What are the templates we need to use? What are the uh, tasks we need to deliver? And once we create the initiative and the advancement paths, now then we have a roadmap. This is the outcome. This is how we want to achieve it. And this is the tools, how we're going to deliver it. Now we go back to the customer. If we deliver this, what are the success criteria for mm. this outcome? how you will define this as, as successful if we deliver it this way. Then he needs to tell us, okay, I will consider this successful if we achieve this or if we achieve X, Y, Z percentage. And we discuss with the customer again, how are we going to measure this? Do you want to measure it based on what? So what are the measuring tool to consider this as successful? What are the potential value? Because it's very important to understand what is value mean for the customer. We might deliver some benefit using our tool, following the outcomes and the, the outcomes benefit. We might deliver some benefits, but does this benefit match the value they are looking for? Because you know, benefit and value are two different things. If we only focus on providing benefits and we are not delivering value, we are not successful with the customer. You need to deliver the value that they are looking for. And here, I mentioned in this framework, it's a potential value because it's not a fixed value. It's a potential value. And we keep this methodology or we keep this plan to document also the actual value created or achieved. Mm -hmm. So they can always look at, okay, the potential was X and we deliver to X. Maybe you can show an example of once you sit down and then you do that for every account. You're actually thinking about each thing and you're sort of coming up with a proposal almost for the customer to re-engage with them at a higher level. Maybe you could go through an example of what that might look like. 
So this is um, a simple example just to make it a little bit clear on how we develop this methodology or the, this plan. So, for example, the outcome or the customer is looking to improve efficiency and effectiveness of project workflow. Okay, so what, what are the benefits? What are the outcomes benefit? Okay, so we need to reduce the project uh, delivery cost. How we can deliver this? We need to shorten the delivery schedule, improve decision-making, shorten approval cycle, avoid costly rework, advance user skill. So it can be different things that the benefit they are looking for. The outcome is improve efficiency, but efficiency can be a lot of things. So those here where comes the, the benefit. And we start to define the benefit because those benefits will lead us to the initiatives that we can deliver. To reduce costs, we need to improve or shorten the, the delivery schedule. Okay, we need to improve scheduling workflow. We need to advance the data usage and reporting. We need to make the approval workflow. And we need to better utilize existing data to avoid rework. So we define the initiative. By those initiatives, we can reach this benefit. Mm -hmm. Okay, how we can deliver those initiatives for the continuous learning, we need to do a number of training for the user, for the power user, for the admins, and we need to do the basic level, advanced level. We define all the, the steps that we need to follow in order to achieve this benefit or outcome. What are the success criteria? How are you going to measure this? Provide a dashboard reports to drive timely and appropriate decisions. This is how we consider this as successful. How are we going to measure it if we deliver this report and in a certain criteria or in a certain shape or form considered, or this is how we're going to measure it. What is the potential value? We can define this with the customer. Okay, what if today you are spending X number of hours, what is the potential value? Reducing the number of hours by how many hours? Reducing the reporting by 20 hours person per year. And then we start to deliver and we measure. And so my question to you, like you have that template where you define the vision, the outcomes, what they're going to do, the plays. Do you sometimes do that on your own first, kind of like brainstorm with yourself and then say, hey, Mr. Customer, based on everything that we talked about, here's what I think we should be doing and then go from there. Or do you actually have that discussion with the customer and then document it? We do our internal homework. We do this internally. We build our understanding and we build our assumption. But, you know, with such an engagement, there is no assumption. It's usually based on what the customer is looking for. Yeah. Sometimes customers, they have a wish list that it's not achievable. So if you have this homework, you did your homework and you understand what is possible and what is not, and what might be a desired outcome for this customer based on our understanding of our relation and or with, from the sales cycle, you build your assumption and then you start to discuss with the customer. And if you feel that for some reason, the customer, they start to shoot high for their wish list, then you can bring them back to the ground and say, okay, this is how it works. This is how it's done. But personally, I never go to the customer and say, okay, this is what I believe can fit for you. Usually, they have to define their outcomes, and then with them exploring together, we can define achievable outcomes. Step number six is really to just generate short-term wins. Do you actually 
think about that when you create sort of like a timetable around how are you going to create more of an agile project plan to implement that vision? We do create a timeline and we create the timeline for the whole outcomes, but we split it into monthly and quarterly. But what I mean here by generate short-term wins is try to split our initiatives into small chunks that it can be ticked as a quick win. For me, this is how I put my methodology within this context that splits the initiatives or the outcomes, the desired outcomes into small chunks that we can deliver as much as possible within a month or within a quarter that it can consider it as a quick win. We deliver this and we achieve this value. We deliver this and we achieve the other value. So if there's a big chunk, then it will take three months to be delivered. There is no quick win in, in 90 days. But if you deliver five small chunks in 30 days, that's a, a quick win. I agree. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed, even for me, like, I think it's obvious the wins that we bring in. And sometimes we don't tend to celebrate them or showcase them to a client often enough or even at all. And so you actually have a methodology on how you share value achieved or deliverables provided with clients. Usually I celebrate even delivering a training. It's a quick win. It's a win. It's a celebration. We have done this. We have completed this. Thank you, Mr. Customer. The more you show that you are delivering, the more you can get the customer excited to continue. This is what I believe. They get excited because you are delivering and they are achieving and you can deliver more and achieve more with them. Now, based on the methodology or based on, on the plan that we have delivered or we have created with the customer and we defined all the advancement path and the initiatives and the outcomes, now we start to do this monthly review just to show the quick wins, to show what we have delivered during that month and, and what we have achieved with the customer and where we are in terms of progress and in terms of what we have achieved and what are the value we are bringing. So for each outcome, because each outcome might have different or multi-initiatives. And for each initiative, we have different and multi-advancement path. So for each outcome, we have one slide just to show where we are, the overall progress, and the progress for each advancement path. And just a quick summary that just show where we are and what is the status of that outcome. And this is a good slide to show your quick wins. When you have one outcome that... 100% completed, all achieved, then this is a quick win. You can just highlight it during your review meeting. Not a question. Actually, in this example, the status is fair. You're only 58%. I can't really tell if you're progressing really quickly or you're like behind, way behind. If the initiative is not progressing as fast to your liking because the customer is not engaged. They don't give you the data you need on a timely basis. They didn't give you permissions, like a thousand things that can happen on the client side, actually, not because of you. And mm -hmm. so do you actually highlight for the clients like barriers to success or risk factors, risk mitigation strategies, like right after this slide to say, hey, Mr. Customer, wake up. This is just fair. And this is how you can fix this. Yeah. And usually I do it in not to show the negative side of it, 
Mm. It's just to show the positive side of it. Where in the slide, I have some recommendations. Recommendations, and okay. I would it's... put risk assessment. <laughs> <laughs> You're a much yeah, nicer guy. Uh, yeah, I used to have this risk assessment sheet. Sometimes you feel that the customer they get offended by having a risk assessment sheet. Yeah. So I started to put like this just to show where we are. It's fair, it's good. What is the status? And then I put a recommendation. Recommendation. We need more engagement. We need to get some dedicated resources for this task. Whatever is the risk we are facing, I try to put it in a positive way that this is our recommendation for the next step in order to complete this outcome. I got to say, Mohammed, that's a much nicer approach. And then you have another, besides like actual deliverables, which I think everybody's very comfortable with it. You also take the opportunity to show what was the business impact. Yeah. So because this outcome or the outcomes we defined, they have a direct impact on the business. And this is what you can present. And this is, you know, a good source of information you can use in your quarterly business review, executive business review, in your business review meeting, regardless of what you want to call it, because I know that everybody is not comfortable with the quarterly business review name. So during your business review meeting, so this is a source of information that you can use based on what you agreed with the customer. Here are the status and here are the, the outcomes that we are delivering. And here is the value we are achieving. And those slides usually, I used to share those slides with the stakeholders because they want to present it to their management internally because it has all the information. It has the progress, the outcome, the status, the value created, has all the information. Mohamed, how hard is it to do this slide versus the other one? Like talk about outcomes versus deliverables. It's not hard. Clients actually share with you what is the impact on their business very easily? Not all the time. Sometimes customers, they are reluctant to share numbers, dollar value, but Sometimes they are okay to share with you time. Like if we deliver this, we save 10 hours. Mm -hmm. But internally, we can just do our simple math. 10 hours per person per month times 12 months times this number of users. So this is what we can save them. We don't present the saving dollar, but we do the saving hours. And For those that are listening right now and they can't even get that, like they can't get any quantifiable data. Even though we agreed on what the impact would be from a quantitative standpoint, the client sometimes either refuses to share, or I would say like in my world, right? Like I might help them implement a certain process that would help improve customer satisfaction. No one's measuring it. They don't do surveys. So we can't really measure it, but they get a feeling like customers are happier. And the way that they know it is because Maybe the testimonials are now like much richer and they change and the conversations with customers have changed and the engagement is at a much higher level. All of a sudden they bring in their executives. So sometimes I'm just going to say that because I don't want customer success managers to get maybe exhausted by trying to get this. If you can't get quantitative metrics, try to get the client to express what is the value for their business in a qualitative manner. Yeah, and, and this is the best tool to use is try to identify the measurement. How are you going to measure this as a successful outcome? If they talk about it, you can get the sense of, okay, they will measure it by X number of hours. The more you discuss with the customer, the more will open up and the more they will share information. 
okay, not all the information because I know there are some customers they are very sensitive to share value or dollar value, but you can get around this by using hours or using saving or changing or reducing number of workflows or whatever. If you reduce or if you remove one of the workflows that it makes no sense and with your new technology, you have better workflow and you can just get some information on, okay, this workflow used to take like an hour per person per day or per transaction, assuming that the person transaction per day is three and they have 10 employees. You can do a simple math to figure out how much you can save them by using this or by delivering the new tool you are providing to them. Well, I love the framework that you adopted through John Coder's Eight Steps for Leading Change. Like the first phase is really to just create a momentum, create an engagement with a customer to get their curiosity for a new vision of things that they can do with you. The second phase is to actually execute on that vision and start getting some quick wins. And then we're using that framework you just showed us and that really showcasing those wins. And then the last phase is accelerating and sustaining that change. Maybe you could talk about steps seven and eight with us a little bit. And how do you articulate that in your work as a customer success manager with high-touch clients? Okay, so once you deliver the value and you show that by using this tool, you are achieving your outcome and here is the value. Here is the actual achieved or actual value created. Now, this next step is, okay, now how we can implement this to a wider team or to the whole company and there we put a plan for you may call it adoption but this is where we start to implement what we achieved for a company-wide usually we start with this tool as part of the onboarding we do this while we do the basic onboarding where we start to train everybody or train the potential team on how to use the tool. And we work with the stakeholder in this. And in parallel, you know, we start to work on both sides. And once we achieve the desired outcome or once we achieve the value, we start to implement this to a company-wide. And from there, when we start to do the change company-wide. So this is how you sustain acceleration is by taking that The one vision that you actually implemented successfully, the short-term win, and then you said, you know, by the way, we can actually do that. And then you showcase how you can accelerate it into other areas in the company and then institute change. What does that entail? Is that making sure that it's adopted and adopted for a long-term vision? Like, how do you work with a client to get to that last step? Okay, to make sure that the tool is used, used in a proper way, and they are maximizing the benefit of the tool. You can measure it in different ways, the number of users, the usage hours, the tools or the features they are using. You do some workshops that you can start to get back or to get some feedback from them. There are a lot of ways to make sure that we institute the change. We, We make sure that they are using the tool in a proper way. And if we feel that they are still missing part of it, we might do the same thing again. We go back to the outcome to define the outcome. Is this the outcome you wanted to achieve because you are not using it to the way that it should be used? So let's maybe think about a different outcome, different benefit. Maybe your wish list at the beginning was too high and you don't want to use that tool in this way. So maybe 
we can work together to define a better way that it will save you some time. Brilliant. I had a full discussion, a, a complete podcast episode just on that step eight with Sue Nabith, who developed a framework that's called AMPM on how we need to actually tailor these success plans and these engagement plans to make sure that not only we deliver on what we promised in the success plan, but actually make sure that there's a change management in the organization and what kind of measurements for success do we have for that? So she always encourages to have success criteria for the actual deliverables, out business outcomes, but also for the activities and the change in functionalities and the things that we're expecting the employees to actually see in terms of the processes that, that are going to change. Yeah. Wonderful framework. We're going to have all of that available to anyone that wants to download this and learn more about this. So excellent sharing. And I really love how you took this framework and explain how it is applicable for customer success managers. And this obviously works for you. And since you started implementing this in your world, like the before and after, what are some of the changes that you started seeing in your accounts? They are more engaged more engaged, and then they're opting into more things to do with your software? Exactly. And they are more engaged because you deliver value and you deliver the value they are looking for. Mm. And they become more engaged because they want to achieve more. And every year with a new feature, with a new function in the software, they want to achieve, they want to utilize that and they want to find the way to utilize it every year or every quarter when the software updates or a new features released, they come back to us and they say, okay, how are we going to implement this new feature? We got the email for the new feature. So how are we going to work about this? What are we going to do with this new feature? And they start to engage more to understand more on how we can utilize the software for their benefit and how they can utilize it to achieve more. So there you go. If you have a customer that's not super engaged, Think about this framework, download the template, start analyzing each customer. How can you get them engaged? What are the steps that you need to do in order to get to that at least short-term win so you can expand your success and also train the customer? Hey, next time when you want to do something, I am your trusted advisor to get it done and to be your partner for success and start trusting the customer success manager to be sort of like the quarterback for their success with your software. Yeah. Excellent. Exactly. Well, exactly. thank you so much, Mohammed. This was absolutely fabulous as usual. I'm so happy we got to record a thank second you. video. Yeah, I'm looking forward for the third one. If you liked this podcast episode, please go to our YouTube channel and check out the other discussion I had with Mohammed about how do you develop an engagement with a customer and how do you model it so that you increase the breadth and depth of your connections and relationship with your customers. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Mohammed. if somebody wants to follow you or read your content or see what you're about, where can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm available also on the Customer Success Middle East Community blog. So we have a blog dedicated to empower the customer success in the Middle East. I'm there. I'm on LinkedIn. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share in the description below your LinkedIn and the website to your Middle Eastern customer success community. What's unique about that? It actually has blogs in Arabic, I believe. 
Yes, so it's bilingual. We have a lot of articles that are in Arabic and English, some articles that are in English only. I started an initiative like 10 weeks ago to connect East to West, where I'm interviewing customer success leader every Monday, and we post this interview on the blog. We also post that on LinkedIn as well. I mean, That's awesome. This is a way that I'm, I'm trying to bring the knowledge and, and experience from East to West so that we can empower the customer success community in the Middle East region. Yeah, I saw some of them in the red, and it's really brilliant the way you crafted it up. And it's really interesting to read about other people's career paths and what they're passionate about, what their recommendations. I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. That was really cool. So guys, if you want to learn more about customer success in general, or you're from the Middle East, please connect with Mohammed. Everyone, if you like this video, give it a like, thumbs up, connect with me, subscribe to the channel. And I want to thank you for your time today. Mohammed, as always, it's a pleasure to have you as a guest. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. Till the next video.